The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone, goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again! Platoon, present cell phone. High Five! High Five! Casino! Casino! Win at High Five Casino! High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com governance. IBM. Let's create. Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and P&G's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Oh, it could welcome here the podcast that happens. Shit. All right. Well, St. Andrew, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to pivot to you to to pull us out of this tailspin I've locked us into. <laughs> hello, hello. What's the scene everyone? Today I wanted to go on a bit of a personal meandering, I guess, on um some of the ideas and concepts that just kind of floating in my head um surrounding sustainable city planning and city living. Honestly, a lot of these ideas and stuff um kind of just crimp them from like all over the place. And in some cases, they're a bit less, I would say, viable than others. But I do find like the work of, for example, lowtechmagazine.com and um, and so on to be very inspiring in terms of our capabilities, um, what potential there is in obsolete technologies, what low-tech solutions exist for issues, and 
what we can do as people to just kind of make living in urban sprawl or suburban hell a little bit less hellish. Yeah, that is uh, definitely a topic close to my heart as well as someone who lives in a city. I would like cities to be less hellish. Yeah. That seems like a goal. (laughs) And I would like suburbs to not exist. So... (laughs) (laughs) Eternal yeah, war on yeah. the suburbs. We have to ally with rural America in the order protracted to protracted people's war against yeah. the suburbs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Like, I mean, my, my 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 crank proposal has always been reintroducing mastodons and just mm-hmm. like just having mastodons just like walking through and destroying buildings because that that's that's what the suburbs deserves. Yeah. Mastodons isn't the actual animals. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I thought you meant like the the social media platform. No. No. No, I think we need to clone leopards so that they breed as quickly as rabbits and just let them loose. Wasn't Dr. Doofenshmirtz raised by leopards? Sure, why not? I would, Robert, do you know who Dr. Do- Doofenshmirtz is? No. Okay. Let's just move on. Yeah. No explanation. <laughs> Down, okay. No, I feel sorry. Right. <laughs> sorry. I know. I, I'm, I'm, I, I, think, I think we are, we are roughly the same in the same age bracket for television we watched. So yeah, I'm, I'm very, you both I'm very, a I'm very, of, lot I'm very, of Tremors movies to catch up on. I'm very familiar with The Good Doctor. Perry the Platypus pilled. Yes, I am very, <laughs> very, very platypilled, as they say. Platypilled. <laughs> Let's <Nice>. continue. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, there are a lot of aspects of my evil plan to make the entire tri-state area more sustainable. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I think I would want to start with something that tends to consume a lot of the energy in cities, and that is like heating and cooling. I mean, for me, living in a tropical country, heating has never been a consideration. Yeah. Um, I mean, the coldest it gets is in like the, I would say like, 18, 19, 20 degrees Celsius area. Wow. Um, So, and to me, that is like chilly. That's like layering up kind of thing because I can't handle that kind of cold, Um, which is kind of wild to me that I ever considered moving to Canada. Um, I don't think I'll be able to handle it. Um, (laughs) It does, it does get, it does get much colder. I mean, we, when I was in Canada, we would have not, not uncommonly have Mm -hmm. minus 40 Celsius uh, uh, weeks. So, yeah, yeah. I've never, I've never Alaska. experienced minus degrees before. I don't know. About, oh, I don't even know if that's oh, like wow. real. Oh no, <laughs> it is. Oh. oh, it's fine. It's it's not a big deal. You just put on an extra pair of socks. You're good to go. Okay, so when it, when it when it hits negative forty degrees uh, Fahrenheit, wait, I, wait, what? you've experienced negative forty degrees. It's not yeah, like yeah, yeah. It's yes. not like Arctic temperatures. No, I, like yeah. neg- neg- negative negative forty negative forty Fahrenheit is uh, the the temperature of the surface of Mars oh, on a sunny day. Well, actually, yeah. negative yeah, negative way, forty Fahrenheit like is the same negative. as negative forty Celsius. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Really they, they, actually, yeah. they actually converge yeah. at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like what you just serious? Wow, that's crazy. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, t- t- it's, it's, just, it's just pain. Like it's not even cold anymore. Like you just like your your face just hurts. Mm-hmm. It's it's great. It's, it's gonna, a good time. I'm gonna call yeah. out my 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 favorite meme again and have negative forty Fahrenheit, negative forty Celsius, <laughs> Celsius clapping hands in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> classic, classic. 
And anyway, yes. V- v- yeah, I very mean, honestly, I can't even conceive of that kind of temperature. Um, I am an island boy, so that's how <laughs> I operate. Got it. And as an island boy, um, I had to say that like heat is very, very uncomfortable. Humidic, humid heat is even more uncomfortable. Yeah. Dry heat is also extremely uncomfortable. And when you have a hot day combined with like Saharan dust in the air and no clouds in the sky, it is truly, truly miserable. I can't imagine um, what life in a city would be like if, um, you know, these sort of temperatures continue to climb as they are climbing. Um, As we see, you know, global average temperatures rising by, you know, a half degree or a degree or uh, two degrees Celsius. That's just ridiculous. Let alone three or four degrees Celsius increase. Especially compounded with the fact that in a city, there's this thing called the urban heat island effect. So cities are 10 degrees Celsius hotter than the surrounding countryside. And the reasons for that are numerous. You know, you have like vehicles emitting heat constantly. You have air conditioners pumping heat into the air. You have concrete and asphalt covering every surface, just like absorbing and radiating the sun's rays. And you have these urban canyons between tall buildings that prevent heat from escaping from and keep it at the sort of street level. It's miserable, right? And the typical solutions, the individual solutions, the short-term solutions, they just make the situation worse. Because, I mean, when you're feeling hot, I mean, I was just feeling hot just now, and I turned on the AC, right? When you're feeling hot, you know, you turn on the AC, or you put on a fan. But, not so much a fan, but the AC continues and fuels this vicious cycle of heating the outdoors to cool the indoors, making external spaces even more uncomfortable. So you end up with air conditioning use accounting for like one-fifth of global electricity usage, of building-related global electricity usage. And you end up with the thing that's supposed to be cooling us, heating things even more. Because, you know, as... Developing countries, you know, they have access to more and more air conditioning, especially, and, you know, developing countries tend to be in the hotter sides of the world. Um, You know, the use of air conditioning just continues to skyrocket. And um, the International Energy Agency actually estimated that it would take, the amount of energy needed to cool buildings will triple by 2050, which is equivalent to the current electricity demand in the US and Germany combined. So, on top of all that, you also have an issue of, like, heat and heat deaths, right? The deaths and injuries caused by heat. I mean, heat stroke is becoming more and more of an issue in cities, especially when, it, you know, temperatures reach above 25 degrees Celsius. People, you know, manual laborers, people who work outside, people who just have to move around a lot you know, experience the, symptom, the symptoms of heat stroke whenever there's yeah. like the spike in temperature, right? And then even, even if you don't experience like a heat stroke, heat is 
exhausting. It is energy draining. It's utterly sapping. And it requires a lot out of your body to keep you cool and prevent you from like overheating. And surprisingly, this overheating issue is not just like, you know, a tropical issue or like a hot country issue. Like places like Moscow had like an estimated 11,000 people die due to heat wave in 2010. And so with all these heat waves and stuff, we need to like figure out what to do with all these giant concrete buildings. I mean, I know for some people like eco-brutalism is, you know, wow, so cool. To me personally, and this is just my subjective opinion, I find it ugly and disgusting and I hate it, but you know, to each their own, right? Ah, <laughs> uh, brutalism discourse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, what do you all yeah. think of brutalism? Eh, I think Yugoslavian brutalism was cool. Every other kind of brutalism is just like... My opinions I mean, on brutalism <clears throat> boil down to thinking the game Control is fun. <laughs> I, have, I have stayed in a Yugoslavian brutalist architecture hotel, which was one of the weirdest nights of my life because it was clearly made. It was like one of these gigantic like people's hotels that was meant to provide everyone with vacations. And so there's like 20,000 rooms and we were like the only three people there. So there was one person <laughs> at the desk and it's just cavern of empty rooms. Yeah. It was such this, it, everything felt like a liminal space. It was, this, yep. it was very odd. It can um, be, it can, it can be very, very uncanny. It wasn't like bad. It was like reasonably well constructed. It was just yeah. like deeply strange <laughs> I mean, as a that's place what, to spend the night. I think that's what makes the game Control so cool is that, yeah, it plays with those uncanny feelings on brutalism while still being like very cool. Like it's still, mm -hmm. it's still like, Control it's still is the game that um, Jacob Keller made a video about, right? Yes, he made a, he, he did make a video about Control. I think I watched Control. that recently. This is like the sort of oldest house yes. kind of thing. Yes. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to check out that game because, I mean, that's what I, that's kind of like my issue with brutalism. It feels like a boss level in a video game. Yes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like you have to go through each level, clear out all the minions, and make it to the top and beat the boss. It's kind of unsettling. Yes. And then like eco-brutalism is just like, oh, what if trees? Trees <laughs> or moss. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay, cool. But I mean, like one of my many um, occupations and I still maintain it seasonally. Um, I was a power washer and I hate moss. And so to see moss all over buildings just really bothers me. Like I just want to get, you know, my spray gun and just <laughs> clear it all off. Um, and especially in like this climate, moss is like a very significant issue. So that makes sense. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. One of my pet peeves among many. So, I mean, there are many different ways we could combat the urban heat island effects um, that don't involve eco-brutalism. <laughs> and they can also help to facilitate, you know, creating more attractive spaces to live and to play. You know, um, obviously the solution isn't to just like bulldoze every building that has ever been built. And make it more sustainable, you know, with vernacular materials and stuff. Though, of course, new buildings should be built with those principles in mind. Um, but, you know, it's unpractical to, or even sustainable, to destroy all the buildings we've already built and make and rebuild them. You know, the best thing we can do is try to 
mitigate and adapt with yeah. what we already have. Um, greenery. And I know I was just roasting eco-brutalism for just tra- slapping trees and everything. No, but, you know, yeah, greenery is an important part in that, right? Because, you know, it, call, it causes evapotranspiration, which is like where water evaporates from plants, leaves, and cools the temperature. Um, you know, it also improves people's like psychological well-being. Um, and they're just they're nice to look at. Um, they're nice to look at. They keep things cool. In fact, they can help cause temperatures to drop by like two to three degrees Celsius in the, like, the surrounding area. I think people slightly misinterpret it, but like this, this is one of the big things you can see with with racism in the U.S., where like you can literally, like you you can literally track racial divides in a lot of American cities yep. by the by the temperature because like people, places where not white people live just don't have trees, and you know, and this this has like a a just this sort of like cascading series of of environmental and uh, social effects, which are yeah a disaster. And yeah, environmental just, racism. Yeah, yeah, it's really stark, honestly. If you look at the heat maps of some of these cities, and you could literally see, you know, where poor black folks live. You know, you could see the places yeah. with less trees, the places next to factories with like toxic runoff and waste and that kind of thing. It's just you know right there, and it sucks. Which is why, of course, part of any sort of efforts to improve cities and make things more sustainable would involve, you know, social justice and would involve responding to and addressing the compounding effects of like environmental racism over the past several decades. So, you know, and part of the issue, again, tying things back to environmental racism is that a lot of the climate change policies that, you know, ostensibly are meant to favor like high density, urban, smart growth, you know, like sustainable blocks and that kind of thing. They are not conceived or implemented in a way that involves the people being affected by them. You know, in fact, a lot of these like sort of green um, projects raise the cost of food, energy, water, transport, housing for people in the area. You know, they create these sorts of like gentrified neighborhoods, essentially, where the original inhabitants can no longer afford to live there. So if we want to develop like a sustainable city, a resilient city, a sustainable or resilient neighborhood, it requires social justice. It requires, you know, equity and you know like the involvement of all affected through you know consensus or democracy um to just really shape the future that you know they will be experiencing because they're the ones being affected by it there are a lot of other ways as well to heat proof as it were a city um reflective roofs and roads um can also help to reduce the absorptive powers of um 
solar radiation by concrete and asphalt. So in fact, in some cities like LA and in New York, there's this white reflective coating that um, has been implemented in some 500,000 meters squared of roof space that saves an estimated 2,282 tons of CO2 per year from cooling emissions. I mean, all it takes really is just like that sort of white reflective coat and it saves dividends in the long run. Um, NASA had done some research on this and it demonstrated the results, demonstrated that a white roof could be 23 degrees Celsius or 42 degrees Fahrenheit cooler than a typical black roof um, on a hot New York summer day. Um, and in places where like, <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I just kind of like glossed over it, but that is crazy. That is like, absolutely, absolutely wild. Degrees. And then in cities sorry. where like, where like 10% of the land area is like asphalt. You could imagine how that sort of, um, that sort of reflective sealant can impact, um, the cooling or the heating of the area. Water, of course, is another like important aspect of cooling cities. Um, in Andalus, um, which was like the Muslim kingdom in the Iberian Peninsula in the 14th century, um, they used to have these sort of like courtyards with pools and fountains that would stimulate water evaporation and cool the air. And so like cities today, you know, take some hints from that. You know, you have ponds and pools and fountains and misting systems and stuff that can sort of chill things out. I mean, we see that being um, implemented in China um, where you have, like, for example, um, water misters at like bus stops, which can chill the air and, you know, cool passengers as they wait. Um, and they found actually that adding water features and like cool coatings reduces the cooling requirements of an area by 29 to 43% and also lowers the overall average air temperature by 1.5 degrees Celsius. So it's like, honestly, <laughs> wild how like these little things can have such a major impact on temperature. Speaking of like old methods of cooling, um, ancient methods of cooling, there's this Middle Eastern shading device called the Mashrabiya, um, or I think it's the Mashrabiya. And it's basically an architectural element that is usually built by um, wooden lattice work and sometimes stained glass. And it's used to like catch and cool the wind through like having these basins of water in them is let me see if I could try to describe it. It's like a window jutting out of a building um, with sort of decorated by lattice work with jars and basins of water placed within them to let the wind pass through. And as the wind is passing through, it's causing evaporative cooling. Then it, it chills out the um, interior. And so these mashrabias, are, um, they've been used since the Middle Ages 
by, you know, the Coptic churches of Egypt and the art deco movement in Iraq and and by, you know, the architecture um, in Baghdad as well. And so these sort of construction methods, while they tend to be developed for, you know, individual homes or individual buildings, um, they can, in fact, be implemented um, with even the aesthetics of Islamic geometry to help to cool a building and reduce its overall CO2 emissions. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride, glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! You're probably careful with your personal information, but what about the other places that have it? Like the doctor's office that mixed up your files. They have your social security number. The power company that mistakenly cut your service has your payment info and last three addresses. And the hotel that lost your reservation has your passport info. Your information is in endless places out of your control. Any one of them could accidentally expose you to hackers and identity theft through lax security, breaches, or simple mistakes. But LifeLock monitors millions of data points every second and alerts you to a wide range of threats. If your identity is stolen, a U.S.-based restoration specialist will fix it, guaranteed, or your money back with plans covering up to $3 million for stolen funds and expenses. Mistakes happen. Don't let not having protection be one of them. Save up to 40% your first year at lifelock.com news. That's lifelock.com news to save up to 40%. Terms apply. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. So I've been talking about heating and cooling and stuff for a while <laughs> now. And speaking of, I should probably turn on my AC. Turn off my AC, rather. I think I heard either either it was you, Andrew, or maybe it was Robert talking about the ceramic kind of cooling idea. Ceramic I, cooling. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the, a big um, thing in like the um, parts of the American Southwest, like New Mexico. There's a lot of like swamp coolers that are basically working. Right, yeah. Swamp, cool, swamp coolers. It only works yeah. in certain climates, right? Like you wouldn't really. Yeah. I don't. Think yeah, because if it's be if it's too uh, in Oregon, if it's too humid. It, yeah. it's not going to work. You're just going to end yeah. up. Although I, even I more humid. I think, yeah, I, I think there's kind of a broader thing there architecturally, which is that like we have a lot of sort of like like we we've we've lost a lot of in 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 the way we do architecture, we've lost a lot of the sort of like. Build, we've lost a lot of sort of building techniques adapted to specific locations. Yeah, vernacular sort of architecture. Like, yeah, yeah, and like that's something that has to be reversed like immediately because <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Our, our our current model of, of building houses out of oil is uh going to get us all killed. Oh, so, oh, <laughs> oh really? What's yeah? What's the problem yeah. there? What's wrong? <laughs> what's wrong with that? I mean, on top of that, right? It's not just vernacular architecture, but vernacular clothing. I mean, it's, I mean, as, again, someone living in a tropical country, I see it for myself, like, working people going to work wearing, like, full long sleeve dress shirts and long, long dress pants and, you know, like, formal shoes and it's honestly absurd. <laughs> you know, sometimes, like, they have the whole tie, like, you know, pulled up and everything. It's not. It's entirely based on like European standards of professionalism and um, it needs to be abolished. <laughs> Abolish yeah. dress codes, all right? Abolish like this whole idea that, you know, we have to dress this particular way um, despite, you know, the temperature because it's more professional or whatever. Fuck professionalism, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, we we at we at podcasting are in the vanguard of this, but uh, we need you all's <laughs> help to destroy professionalism once and for all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Show up to work in your bathing suit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like vernacular buildings as well. You know, obviously, you had in in Africa, in different parts of Africa, you'd have different structures that were. Particularly tailored, so you know, if you were in a in a tropical rainforest environment, you would have a building that's tailored to, you know, keeping mosquitoes out and maintaining a certain temperature within, and maintaining comfort as well within. Or you know, in colder regions, you would have um, certain construction that would keep heat within the building and prevent um, excessive discomfort you know um and there were also of course like when it comes to like cooler areas you were also expected to sort of 
keep yourself warm as well as, you know, keep your building warm. In fact, it was more so keeping yourself personally warm. So keeping yourself layered up even when you're indoors. And of course, that's kind of lost today. People are expected to just, you know, turn on the heater and vibe for the months of winter. But it isn't sustainable. A lot of things we enjoy today aren't sustainable. And it keeps coming back to that. But yeah. Speaking of things that we enjoy that are not at all sustainable, how about cars? Yeah. Can we get rid of cars? Yes. Can we please get rid of cars? I mean, cars are very convenient in terms of like, if you want to get somewhere very specific, um, you know, if there's a place you want to go, I'm the one you need to know. I'm a car. I'm a car. I'm a car. You know, kind of thing. Thank, but, thank you. Yes. <laughs> my little musical interlude there. Thank you for appreciating it. I appreciate um, it. <laughs> but ultimately, like, they honestly aren't sustainable. They honestly aren't something that we can maintain in the near or even far, well, potentially in the, in the near, but not so much the far future. I mean, people already know the problems with gas cars, already know why gas cars are bad. But, you know, things, just, things are just sort of pivoted towards electric cars. And, woo, electric cars. Let's get a bunch of electric cars. Woo. But electric cars aren't better. I mean, the materials they require, the energy they require quite frankly not sustainable in the long run and it just lengthens the amount of time that we spend dependent on cars for short and long distance travel and especially how in the states we've like built our cities around the idea of a car which has expanded the urban terrain unnecessarily and if you look at like all the space taken up by like highways and overpasses and how much have just like urban space is taken up but just been built around the idea of the car it really kind of makes the whole idea of a city so much less useful it's it's really it's really yeah. frustrating and, and i think it's also worth noting cars are so unbelievably dangerous yeah that is yeah, yeah we're very much used to like having these like death machines driving around at all yeah. times and that that makes for like a, a very um cool like series of metal band song names or whatever but the death statistics aren't funny when it comes to cars no and like the average trans- transportation time having cars has not actually decreased like the amount of time it takes to get from place to place based on like where you live in your city has not actually decreased because now everything is just spread further apart so 100 years ago it would take you know like a 15 minute trek to get to like you know, the market or something, it can take oftentimes longer, especially if you're driving in like rush hour traffic to get just 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 like a couple of miles, or even in some cases, a decent jog could get you there faster. Um, yeah. Just because of how we've just designed cities all around these rolling metal death cages. Um, yeah, it's not it's, it's not great. It's one of the reasons I don't currently have a car. Yeah. And that's kind of that's something that's shocking to a lot of people when I tell them that really I have no intention of ever buying a car, of ever owning a car. It's not something that I want. And I mean, I live relatively close to like some of the major transport um, arteries of the country. And, you know, Trinidad has like this unique-ish transportation system, public transportation system. So we have these privately owned maxi taxis that... um, 
They're like vans um, with seats in the back. Um, and, you know, you could, you just kind of jump in um, depending on where they're going, which route they're taking. Um, and they're, they're convenient enough for me and for my purposes. So I just, you know, I go where I need to go um, with them. But they're also gas guzzling, inefficient machines. I mean, they're better than, you know, all those people driving cars. I mean, as an island, you know, like, I don't know why we're so obsessed with having more and more cars on the road. Um, but at the end of the day, they still aren't the best in terms of sustainability and in terms of um, viable, reliable, sustainable transport. Um, we also have like personal taxis as well, but they have the same problems as regular taxis. And what's frustrating is that we used to have um, a train line um, that went along the entire east-west corridor of the country. And that's where most of the people in Trinidad live, along the east-west corridor. Um, but that was destroyed in the 1960s, I think, to make way for highways and a priority bus route. So instead of having a nice, convenient, cute little train that we could take to go from place to place, we have to rely on buses and maxis and taxis and cars. Yeah, that is uh, quite. And that's not cool. <laughs> that is quite. It's not good. Quite, quite grim. Because we need to reconfigure. Seriously, I would love for them to bring back trains. To be able to take a train, to not have to rely on. I mean, government bureaucracy makes all things unreliable. But I think a train would have been slightly more reliable than a bus. Very much on the pro train, on the on the pro train train, I've, I've had <laughs> fewer few, fewer fewer moments more happy than riding the Portland Max Line and streetcar in a uh, no face costume. It's very <laughs> it's it's very fun. I think also like another thing about about cars, right? This is just this is just just on a very pure political level. Like cars are the thing that allow suburbs to exist, and the existence of suburbs has produced just generation upon generation of like frothing reactionaries who are the source of like enormous percentages of the world's problems and so if you get rid of those places you produce less of them yeah which is just a a political benefit for anyone who wants to not die (laughs) exactly exactly i mean we don't think about it because there are already so many things to think about but if you actually sat down and pondered the death toll of like cars um we really and really brought it to the forefront and really made it less of a necessity i think more and more people would be open to the idea of rejecting cars to keeping them as at most a benign a novelty um that maybe one or two exists in an entire community um for use if needs be um but otherwise, I, I don't see how each and every person in the world owning their own car is at all the best way to go. Also, cars are kind of ugly to me. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> we really didn't design them to look cool. It's just, it's... I mean, there's some cars that look kind of cool, like some of the more classic ones, but... And that's part of the issue, right? They're getting uglier to me, and they're also getting larger. You know, like and SUVs killing a lot and more stuff people. are like, we, yeah. they're raising their grills more and more. So like, you're basically a pedestrian killing machine. We've effectively undone most of the benefits of making cars safer for passengers by making them much more dangerous for um, pedestrians, which is entirely a marketing choice. Like if, if you like the fucking trucks they were making 25 years ago are just as useful. Um, and in a lot of cases, more useful for like practical farm work for hauling and whatnot than the trucks they're making today. They, they haven't meaningfully gotten better They've just gotten a lot larger for no real reason other than it makes people feel like big men. Well, and, cool. and you get these fun, you get these fun, you can you can look at their marketing people like explicitly talking about how like yeah, like they like basically explicitly playing into the, the, the fantasy of running over protesters. And it's yep. it's great. It's yeah. So get rid of cars and you won't have to deal with that. But Chris, how is that sustainable or viable? Hmm, good question. <laughs> Introducing superblocks. Ooh, ah. Yes. Superblocks <laughs> super are basically um, neighborhoods of nine blocks, so I don't think they have to be. I think the philosophy and ideas behind superblocks could be implemented to suit different... Um, cities with different histories and different layouts especially with like the, localized like especially, especially with like localized um streetcars within each city block within, within each super block like system exactly so just to clarify the idea uh, super blocks are basically um you know neighborhoods of nine blocks where traffic is restricted to the roads on the outside of the block which means that the interior of these super blocks are entirely walkable that combined with the idea of a superblock being um, mixed use means that people are mostly able to access their basic necessities within their city block, are able to like spend more time, have more open space, to spend more time to meet with people, to talk, to do, do activities, to you know have some relief from noise pollution and air pollution from vehicles, and to really like connect people with the space they're living in. And make the space they're living in more livable. I mean, I don't live smack dab in the middle of like urban, urban town, but I could imagine for people living in like New York or whatever, you, know, you can't exactly step out of your apartment and play in the road on a typical day if you have kids or whatever. You know, they can't exactly just go run outside. Um, you will die. Like, <laughs> exactly. You will die so fast. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, people complain about like, oh, kids these days don't go outside as much. But I mean, look at outside. Yeah. <laughs> you know, outside is look murder. at what look at what has been created, um, and reflect on that. I mean, part of the issue is um, the way social media algorithms are designed to suck people into like cycles of addiction, but. That's a whole other topic, right? Um, I think a lot of people, more people would be willing to, would be able to pull themselves out of that sort of um, harmful algorithmic hell if there was an outside to pull themselves out to, you know? 
but honestly, cities especially are notorious for like not having places you can be where you don't have to spend money. And that sucks. So I think um, super blocks being places where, you know, libraries and um, places where people can eat. Makerspaces, community eat, kitchens. Maker spaces. I mean, it, it does seem to be missing or ignoring the what we're going to lose with super blocks, which is how, how am I going to roll down the street, smoke an Indo, sipping on gin and juice if I'm not allowed to drive within my block? Wow. Yeah. I think we can I think we can reach that. I think I think you could just get a bike. <laughs> Booze cruise it on the bicycle. Have you tried smoking Indo, sipping on gin and juice while riding a bicycle? It's it's impossible. Get a cup holder. It, anything is possible. <laughs> this is Snoop Dogg erasure. <laughs> no, but the the idea of having yeah, like community gardens, community like kitchens, like uh, maker spaces, libraries, all these within like this super block framework, you know, like green spaces, it does make actual urban city living seem attractive, and not like you're just living in nested concrete boxes. Yeah, I mean, people like living in cities because that's where everything's happening, right? Yeah, but yeah, you you want people to take part in the things that are happening, but. The place is unlivable. Yeah, you, know? you have the table I will continue to complain about until the end of time, which is the table in Chicago Chinatown that threatens to arrest you for sitting at it. Like, it's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the hostility of... And I mean, this goes back to, like, racism, because, of course, everyone does, everything does. But, you know, a lot of these loitering laws and stuff were literally designed to target black people and to target, you know, poor people. Um like vagrancy laws and that sort of thing. It's just hostile people's existence. And that gets into like hostile architecture and that sort of thing. But we, I think with these super blocks, you know, we open up our spaces to make them welcoming to human existence. Spaces that are not built around cars, built around commutes, built around work. And this obviously is a transformation that requires more than just, you know, vote for so-and-so and make the city green kind of thing. You, know, you, need, you need something more substantial than that. You know, within these super blocks as well, you're, you're able to take stock of how your block or whatever, you have a, a better mental sense of um, community and you're able to take a better sense of even things like how your block can communally sustain themselves and, you know, reduce waste and all these different things. This in conjunction with struggle against capitalism in the state. But, you know, that is implied. This is, you know, <laughs> this is the show. This is, it could happen here. I don't know if you expect in like electoralism, but that's not really what we do around here. I mean, the benefits to these sort of like Super blocks, you know, these 50-minute zones so people can walk within 50 minutes to get the essentials. The benefits are innumerable, you know. Better air quality, less noise, healthy lifestyle, mental health boost. But the issue is without a combination of, you know, these projects and these activities with, like, anti-capitalism and anti-statism, it's... it's 
tends to lend itself towards gentrification. And we've seen that in Spain, which is where um, some of these super blocks have been implemented. Um, they've created like these locations that are obviously more desirable because who doesn't want to live in a super block where, you know, you actually have a sense of community because we're all desperate for that. Um, and at least an increase in property demand, higher prices, higher rent. It basically creates these pockets of unaffordable neighborhoods. Yeah. Displacing local residents. So you have to get into the fight against gentrification in order to make this, you know, idea um, viable. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sort. High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. Goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride. Raising funds and support for the LGBTQ plus community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin. Not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride, glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. 
Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. The last thing that I want to get into really is, as Gar mentioned, um, community gardens. I want to talk about urban farming because that is crucial. I mean, part of what um, makes cities cities in a lot of cases is the fact that they import all their food, right? They have the urban-rural divide that, you know, delineates the two areas. Um, but considering the transportation costs, the energy costs, all those things that compound um, to sustain a city, a city's food needs, we have to look to ways that we can sustain cities and sustain neighborhoods within cities um, within themselves. Before I continue, I just want to point out that the future of urban farming is not in vertical farms. Um, they look very cool, you know, like those tall kind of like pillars of like lettuce or whatever growing yeah. out of thing. But the land that they save is usually canceled out by the land they need to produce the energy to power them. Hmm. Like they're very energy intensive um, spaces. So until that issue is resolved, and I don't know if it will be considering you know, how the energy requirements are just sort of built into the vertical, the concentration of energy requirements built into the, into the vertical farming design. Um, we have to look to more practical methods. Land ownership tends to be a major hurdle um, when it comes to organizing um, community gardens and maintaining community gardens. Um, I mean, like folks like Black Futures Farm, Oakland Avenue Urban Farm and the Victory Garden Initiative, they've been working to like provide fresh produce to those in need, especially in urban food deserts. But in a lot of these projects, they're going good for some years and then the city suddenly spins around and it's like, oh, we need this land for development. So they just snatch it up and, you know, those years of efforts just basically go down the drain. Um, community land trusts have been put forward as a potential um, solution to that issue but like a lot of these things i mean it's a good band-aid i would say but it's not necessarily marking the end of capitalism <laughs> another issue that there is with the whole urban farming thing is that um the culture that develops around them while they you know provide education and community and connection for people within them. And that is extremely valuable. I think a lot of, some organizers fall into this habit of treating, uh, of creating this sort of like shared delusion around community gardens, you know, claiming to be sort of feeding the people, quote unquote. And what really brought this to my attention was um, Inhabit Territories newsletter they had an article on it last year, I think, 
on, you know, urban community gardens. And it was written by Gabriel Icin, the co-founder of Atlanta, which I find to be a very, very creative um, name. Basically asked the question, are we really feeding ourselves? I mean, these local food initiatives, they do produce food that people eat, but it can be a bit harmful to be overly optimistic about our food autonomy at this stage, especially considering how reliant we still are on big agriculture. You know, like, yes, we are producing, you know, organic nutritionally dense crops and stuff and that's great that's helping people but you know oftentimes it usually just means that you know the people might be getting participants might be getting like a salad or you know a couple tomatoes it's not necessarily that they are cutting down their grocery bill in a sustainable long-term way because i mean if you've tried gardening you know that like when you're working with a limited space you know, you, you grow your first set of tomatoes. The tomatoes are cool, but they don't last forever, you know? Yeah. And you have to wait until the next harvest to get more tomatoes or whatever the case may be. Same for like lettuce or whatever. It's kind of rough, you know? It doesn't, it helps for like a meal or maybe two, depending on like your living situation, but it doesn't meaningfully cut into our reliance on groceries and you know, food imports. Yeah, it definitely takes a bit to get to that point. And you have to do it with a combination of like food preservation and like canning um, and like, you know, like jarring and a whole bunch of other stuff to actually make that a worthwhile endeavor as opposed to just making like, great, I spent three months making these tomatoes. Now they're ready for one meal and then they're all gone. <laughs> Maybe like one salsa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you do have to really kind of figure out how to grow enough to keep enough ready to be harvested for jarring and canning for future use um, and make sure like you're, you know, harvesting them when they are ready so that you can, you know, you don't lose stuff and that you have like, you know, an ongoing, ongoing process of like preserving the food that you do grow for later um, as yeah. well. So you can definitely yeah. take a lot, a, a lot more like mental effort and planning than just, you know, planting it and then, you know, mm -hmm. using it and cooking it when it's, when it's all, ready yeah i mean a lot of energy and stuff is put into growing things like greens and roots and fruiting vegetables and they're healthy you know they have the vitamins and the micronutrients but you know people still need meat dairy eggs you know protein yeah heavy high calorie dense stuff you know like potatoes and other starches that can really hold people over wheats and that kind of thing and that just isn't being grown right now you know wheat and rice and soy and nuts and corn and sugar these staples and stuff don't tend to be produced by these community gardens and by these you know garden plots yeah so, not many think, not many not many uh legume patches at your local community garden <laughs> yeah 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 like I'm, I'm in the process of growing um some pigeon peas right now and um, they are taking a very long while. And <laughs> what I realize is that, um, I mean, I just planted them, so I'm being a bit impatient. <laughs> but what I realize is that I, when they do grow out, and I've seen, you know, some mature pigeon pea trees and stuff, so I know how big they tend to grow. 
by time harvest rolls around, you know, you get all those different pods and you, you know, you put in the work, you pull, you, you pick all the pods and you um, pry open the pods and, you know, you put in some more alliteration into the sentence and, you know, you, you get those peas out. Once those peas are out to the pod and you put them in a pot, they are not potent enough to hold you over for more than one meal. You know, like <laughs> you pick like a yeah. tree's worth of peas in a pod and, you know, that's like sometimes like half of a meal. And really, honestly, respect to the people who are producing all of our food right now because I can't imagine having to be shelling peas all the time. It's kind of ridiculous. I mean, it can be fun, but I can't imagine doing it all day. I mean, work is work, right? It's going to, yeah. Yeah, work is hell. We know this. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I mean, community gardens, they're good. You know, they have, you know, education, they build community, they provide outdoor activity and stuff. But, you know, I think what community gardens, urban gardens and stuff need to do is find ways to, um, and you know, this, this isn't to disparage the work that's being done. You know, like massive support. I'm doing that myself kind of thing. But we got to like, as the article argues, we can't get caught up in the fluffing up of the reality for marketing purposes. You know, we need to look for ways that can actually um, feed ourselves. That means getting into caloric foods. That means, um, you know, like, like dried beans, potatoes, fruit trees, that kind of thing. Grains, nuts, all that jazz. And also connecting with farms outside of the city. You know, local farms outside of the immediate urban landscape. Seeing what cooperatives can be developed that can work, aid each other mutually to build a more potent capacity for food autonomy. So, I mean, get in touch with the soil, you know, get the sun in your face. But also think about what more we can do to sort of take this to the next level. And yeah, that is um, that is what I believe could in fact happen here. This has happened here good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to have a positive one of these. Yeah. We should do that more often. If if only if, if only we had the power. If only to we had the power. <laughs> well, come back tomorrow when we'll be talking about another bad thing and then abandoning you to deal with your thoughts about it. <laughs> okay. Wow. What a I we we try. We try. We do we do try. This is us trying. Well, this is us having St. Andrew try. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you uh very much. This is a a topic I've wanted to discuss for a long time in terms of, yeah, because we get a lot of people talking about, like, yeah, how, you know, in whatever, like, post-collapse fantasy that you can imagine where you're able to kind of reconfigure society, how would you plan urban living? And you're like, well, yeah, there's there's a lot of actually really cool ideas for, Mm -hmm. like, keeping people close together can be a very ecological idea if you do it certain ways. It's just a lot of the ways we've defaulted to over the past, like really 300 years has uh, made it not that. 
with the invention of the car really really screwing us over mm-hmm. um so yeah thank you so much for uh talking about urban living and super super blocks and all this kind of stuff um where can uh, where can people find more of your uh work and writing on the interwebs you can find me on youtube at saint andrewism and you can find me on twitter which hopefully when you hear this i am still not on at underscore saint andrew fantastic um yeah you uh saint andrew just put together a really great episode about um uh, anti-work stuff and the way that uh, debacle has 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 happened and uh, yeah. what we can learn from it and that kind of thing um and why you should still actually care about anti-work um and yeah so would definitely recommend the anti-work video for recent 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 stuff let's see um if you want to uh feed your brain into the uh addiction driven social media algorithm you can follow us on uh, twitter and instagram at happen here pod and cool zone media and uh yeah let's uh go think about go think about makerspaces and community gardens that seems like yeah. a good a good way to dedicate your thought mm-hmm. time and roll down the street smoking indo sipping that gin and juice while you still can okay. on a bike on a bike Before on a bike or else, I'm, or else i am personally bestowing <laughs> my moral do- judgment upon you okay <laughs> All before right. before before the fascist anarchists take away your <laughs> F150s yeah look if 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 we can democratize military grade weaponry the way the ukrainians have <laughs> we can we can we can form neighborhoods that cannot be forced to live in the traffic uh the the the, the, the auto industrial complex what we can what also really, really reduce frivolous air travel what a fantasy <laughs> otherwise we'll end up in a mad max world and i mean who wants that right mm-hmm. well you know aspects once in a while. of it aspects have, of it yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right see you later bye. everybody bye peace it could happen here is a production of cool zone media for more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sort. High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. Goes wherever you go. I win three spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. I'm going out with the girls this weekend. Nails, done. Outfit, stunner. And my skin? I know it's going to be glowing because I glammed up my shower routine with new Olay Indulgent Moisture Body Wash. It smells so luxurious and deeply moisturizes with its super rich, creamy lather that's bursting with vitamin B3 complex. So my skin glows and my confidence grows. Try new Olay Indulgent Moisture Body Wash for glowing skin in just 14 days. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. 
or home to vibes like this and this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like, Whoa. and hmm. not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team ranking as a top culinary destination in the world be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. 